Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Father, we thank you this morning. We bless your name for your presence that makes a difference. We thank you for your glory that we have seen in the sanctuary. We thank you for rending the heavens and come down. We thank you for your power that is manifesting even this very hour. We thank you for the power of God that is manifesting to every life here present. We thank you, Father, for every burden that has been taken away. We thank you for every yokes that have been destroyed. We thank you, Father, for making a way where there seems to be no way. We thank you for every impossible of our life that has been made possible. We thank you for your glory that will be revealed in this house. We thank you for your unction that is already present. We thank you because your people are not living the way they came in. We thank you for attending to every needs in the house. We thank you for you indeed is our body in Piara. Thank you for bearing our burdens. Thank you for rolling all our cares. Thank you for you care for us. You are the God who sustained us. You are the God who preserved us. You are the God that we come to. And we bless your name because you are in the midst of your people. We thank you, Father God, because your glory is being revealed. Father God, we thank you for all I shall see, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so, Lord, we thank you. Thank you because you are in the midst of us. God in the midst of us is mighty. God in the midst of us is awesome. God in the midst of us is glorious. God in the midst of us is magnificent. Oh Lord our God, how magnificent is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of base and suckling you have ordained praise. So still the enemy and the avenger. Oh, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is man that you visited him? You have made us a little lower than the angels. You have crowned us with glory and honor. 
for the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord even as the water covers the sea the heavens declare your glory the earth declare your power day unto day utter a speech night unto night declare knowledge there is no language or speech where their voice are not heard but their voice reach to the ends of the earth almighty God we bless your name bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless your holy name bless the Lord all our soul and we forget not all your benefits you heal all our diseases you forgave us of all our sins you redeem our life from destruction you crown us with loving kindness and tender mercies you fill our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like that of the eagle from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same your name alone is to be praised you are from everlasting to everlasting let everything that has bread praise the lord father we bless and exalt you jesus we exalt your matchless name for you are holy you are mighty you are awesome you are glorious you are faithful no one like you the mighty healer the jehovah rapha the god who healed us the god who healed us the god who healed us the god who arise with healing in his wings we bless your name we bless your name we bless your name master jesus we thank you for you are in the house you are in the house you are in the house doing great and mighty things stretching forth your hand to heal to save and to deliver father we bless you we exalt you jesus we exalt you jesus and so father god we have come we have come to this tent of meeting we have come to this place that you have placed your name your name is invoked in this sanctuary and so lord god we have come not to meet me not to meet any one of us but we have come to you the most significant the high god the most high god we have come unto you the river of life we have come unto you the fountain of living water we have come unto you our sanctuary we have come unto you the living god the champion of heaven and earth the god who created the very heavens and the galaxy and the milky way the god who made us to wake up this morning the god who made us to be counted among the living and so we have come unto you jesus we have come to be fed by you lord god of heaven i ask lord that you will open up our hearts you will open up our minds you will open up our spirits and we say speak lord for your servant hear it speak lord for your servant hear it let our spiritual ears be open let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened oh god let our spirit respond to the master this morning god we want to hear what heaven has to say and we say holy ghost manifest yourself reveal yourself use this tongue of clay to reveal the mystery of your word and father i pray lord god that you do the talking in the name of jesus you say you make your ministers a flame of fire lord i do not take this for granted and so lord i ask that you will turn me into a pillar of fire use me lord god father as an oracle place your authority upon my tongue 
Let this word that is life and spirit, let it penetrate into heart, souls, marrows, bones, and bodies, and tissues, and blood vessels. And let it bring healing in the name of Jesus. Let it bring deliverance in the name of Jesus. Let it bring salvation in the name of Jesus. Let your people be instructed in righteousness. Let your people be reproved. Let your people be corrected. Let your people, Lord God, receive correction from God. And Father, at the end of this meeting, let us have cause to give you the glory. Let us have a testimony that we have been in your presence. Lord, we pray that we will reverence you. We will be conscious of you from the beginning of the service to the end of it. We will not take you for granted. We will not allow our heart to wander. We bind every spirit that rob man of their blessing. Every robbery spirit will stand against you in the name of Jesus. We bind your assignment in this place and we say you will not have your way in our lives. Father God, we release our life to you, Holy Ghost. We commit our mind and our heart and our thoughts to you and we take them captive, O God, this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let our soul be connected to you. Let our spirit be connected to you. Let us hear with our spirit. Let us see with our spirit in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for in Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. Amen. Amen. Can I just say we should just take our seat this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is in the house this morning. And it's such a privilege to be in the presence of God, to share with God's people. I'm standing here on the grace of the apostolic. And I know that the anointing of God is in this house. And the anointing of the apostolic is on this altar. No one can come to this altar except the Lord appoints the person. And God has deemed it fit to lay it on the heart of apostles that I will be ministering to you. And I never take it for granted. Because it's not by might, it's not by power, but by spirit, say the Lord. Especially when you are addressing God's people. You need to make sure that you are hiding behind the veil. The veil of Jesus. So that Jesus do the speaking and we hear as well as I'm hearing as well. So we are bringing you greetings from Apostle T.B. Williams. And I just want to read you the message that he sent to us. God is moving mightily in Nigeria. And I thank God for everyone who have been praying, who have been holding forth and been praying for Apostle and Reverend Omar. They are doing a great work in Nigeria. It says that God's mercy and grace have been in Nigeria and he has turned Nigeria ablaze under the power of God. Their meetings were filled with great testimonies. And so when he comes back, he will come and share with us what God has been using him to do. In this house on Monday, there are quite a large number of us that were in the house because we have one single meeting for the JTA. And we prayed heaven down. All the prayers were towards that trip. So I'm not surprised what God is doing in Nigeria. So thank God for every one of you who made it a point of duty to come to hold the hands of the man and the woman of God 
in Nigeria. We are the Aarons and the all. And God has given us a responsibility. And if we have that responsibility, we will give back, we will send that word back to God. We give an account one day how God, how we have used the grace that God has given to us. So to the message this morning, Apostle have been ministering to us about the three pillars to the supernatural. And this is the month of power. For us to manifest in the power of God, we need to go through those three pillars. And the Lord has laid it on my heart. I will not be going through all the three pillars, but God has laid one pillar that I'm going to be ministering to us. This is the year of God's glory. And for us to experience God's glory, we need to be in the supernatural. We need to have a supernatural lifestyle. God do not destine us to just come through this world and live like people in the world. Christians must be different from those who are not. And that is what makes the difference is the supernatural. And the whole essence of apostle taking us through those three pillars is so that our life will be the life of the supernatural. A Christian should not just go through the normal course. There must be something different. There must be something unique. There must be something that is so attractive in you that will attract the people to God. There must be something that people see in you that will make them to question that what is going on here. There's something different. There's something peculiar. So what may make us stand out is the supernatural. And God wants us to move in that supernatural. And I believe the reason why Apostle has not been able to move out of this series is because he wants to see each one of us manifest in the supernatural, both young and old. Our children should be distinct in their education, should be distinct in their institution of learning. So supernatural, when I was looking at the supernatural, what does supernatural mean? That means it comes from the word natural. And natural means just normal way of living. So in other words, supernatural means a supernormal way of living. So supernatural means above or beyond what is natural, unexplainable by natural laws. So God wants us to move in the power of the supernatural, not to be abnormal. In the midst of the world, in the sight of the world, it will be abnormal. But we know that it's not abnormal, it is supernormal. Because you have to go above. Now, when I now look at a Christian, when we say we are Christian, what do we actually mean? Yeah, are we Christian because, oh, we've just, we, we just made up our mind to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. What does it mean for you to be Christian, really? If we go to the book of John chapter 1, from verses 10, when I read up to 13. He said, it was in the world, and though the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. (laughs) He came to that which was his own. This was Jesus speaking. But his own did not receive him. Jesus came to the Jews. But the Jews never received him. So he extended the invitation to us. But his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, that is myself and yourself, everyone who have given their life to Christ, who are born again, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right 
to become children of God. So we can boldly say that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. He said, children born not of natural descent. This is where born again is. You are not born naturally. And he went, he went further to explain what it means by not born by natural descent. Not of human decision. We all know that for a child to come forth, it needs the union of both a male and a female. Husband and wife. For a child to come forth. And of a husband's will. Apostle told us so much about the fact that male are those, the male are those who carry the life of the child. And they inject that life into a woman. And that woman has to now hold that life forth for nine months before he now become a being. But he said, but we are born of God. He said, we are not born of a natural descent. I just want you to see yourself, you know, for those of us who are Christians, but we do not know the intensity of what we have received. It's so much painful in the heart of God that Christian workers, they do not know that they are born of God. When you are born of God, that means that the gene of God is in you. The sperm, so, so, or the sperm of God is the one that brings us forth. So we are born of God. And when we are born of God, that means that the lifestyle of God is in us. The way God lives is how we should live. We are talking about supernatural. And I can just liken it to the life of Daniel. When Daniel was in the land of Babylon, together with his friends, there's something that he did. In Daniel chapter 2, and I'll read from verse 1. Let me start with Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Daniel made up his mind that he's not going to defile himself. He said, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief officials for his permission not to defile himself this way. How does that relate to us? Daniel was a Jew and he was brought into Babylon, the world. And the world, the Babylon have their own culture. They have their God that they follow. But he made up his mind that, yes, I'm in a foreign land, but I'm not going to defile myself. I'm going to set myself apart and live for my God. And it relates to you in such a way that you may find yourself in the world. Anytime I read this scripture, you always remind me of people who have gone away from home. And maybe they are in a foreign land. In, in this instance, it can be students who find themselves in an institution. You are no longer under the guidance and, you know, the care of your parents where they will overlook what you are doing. But in your school, do you make up your mind that I'm not going to defile myself? 
He has an opportunity to say, well, I'm away from home now. I can do whatever I like. But because he knew that there is a gene of God in him, there is a culture that he was brought up with, and he made up his mind. He's not going to defile himself. How do I relate this scripture? I'm relating it to the three pillars of life. The three pillars of the, to the supernatural is one, we should call upon God or seek God. should call upon God. Number two, we should fear God. And number three, we should love God. All these three pillars was embedded in the life of this man called Daniel, together with his friends. In Daniel chapter 2, verses 18 to 19, Daniel's usual custom was to call upon God. And this was the, the area where the king had a dream. And the dream was so puzzled to the, to the king that he needed an interpretation. And God so much laid on the heart of the king in such a way that he did not reveal to his astrologers or to all the wise men in the kingdom about his dream. He just wanted them to know about the dream. And then interpret it. And what happened? Nobody was able to do so. Until they found out a man. And the Bible recorded in that verse 18. Of chapter 2 of Daniel. When Daniel went to the king. He said just give me a time. I will interpret the dream for you. But what did he do? He went back to his usual custom. And what was his usual custom? His usual custom was to seek God. To call upon God. Not in times of trouble, but that is his normal way of living. That is normal lifestyle. And the Bible recorded in verse 18, he said, He urged them. Now he went back to his friends. And he said, He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. Because it's like, how many of you can tell me the dream I had last night? I can't tell you your dream. You can't tell me. So it's an, it's an unusual request. And I believe it was God who laid it on the heart of the king. The king would not have been able to say that if God did not lay it on the heart of the king. Just to show that there is a God in heaven who revealed mystery. And so the Bible recorded that Daniel went to his, to his friends and he said, Look, guys, we have to plead for God for mercy. We need to call upon God so that, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And the Bible recorded the act of the supernatural happened. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. So this man was a man who held forth to these three pillars. And that is why he was able to experience the supernatural. That God was able to reveal to a man the dream of another man. And was able to give him the interpretation at the same time. Now let's look at another scenario about someone, some group of people also who love God. Daniel chapter 3. We knew about the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. And it advised all, commanded all the people in the province to bow down to that image. But there were three friends 
three group of Christians who love God with all their hearts, who refuse to bow. So from verse 16 of Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego now replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are to thrown in the blazing fire, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. Hallelujah. This was, these are people that love God. That say no matter, even if it's going to cost me my life, I will not defile my stance. I will not defile the authority that God has given to me. I will not break the rules. I will not bow down to serve another God, but the God of heaven. He said, if you are to thrown, if you are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he does not, hallelujah. Even if he does not, is that our request this morning? That even if God do not meet you at your very needs, will you still serve God? Are we coming to church based on what we can get from him or because we love him? Or because he's the one who has given himself to us and he wants us to give him back ourselves? Are you serving God because of what God has blessed you with? Is that the reason why you are here? If things go the other way and you are in need, will you still, will you, will, will you still see you in church? So these people said that even if God will not deliver them from the finance, they will still not bow down. Said then Nebuchadnezzar 19, was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. And that's how sometimes we go through trials. The trials might be something mild. But because God wants to see what is in your heart, the reason why God allowed trials is to strengthen our faith. Is to know, to see what is in our heart really. Do we really love him? Because of what we see him do. Because of what we want him to do. Or, no matter what we are going through, we will still serve him. So sometimes, the intensity of your trials can get even deeper, you know, to the extent that you are not able to bear it. But God will show up in the midst of it. Sometimes the devil will use that to think that, oh, Nimoz, is something that you are doing wrong. That's why all this calamity here and there is happening to you. But God is trying to see something in your heart. He wants to perfect your heart. He wants to increase your faith. There is a ministry that God has set up for you in the future, and you have to be able to pass this test currently. If you are not able to pass the test, you are not able to fulfill that ministry that God has in store for you. You know, God knows the end from the beginning. You only see the beginning. But God knows, He determines what goes goes on in the end. So what is going on around you is a picture of what your end is going to be like. Because God has to make sure that you pass this test. 
So the furnace was heated seven times. I don't know what your own situation is. Maybe it's seven times. Maybe it's three times. Maybe it's still milder. But get encouragement from these men. Because they were not moved. In fact, they did not even see or notice the fire. Their mindset was on Jesus or God in their own time. Their mindset was just godly. I just love this God. I just love this God. So no matter the heat that is going around them, they, don't, they are not feeling it. So are you. In every trial of life, if you can just focus on Jesus, all those heats around you will be like air condition. You will not feel the heat. And I'm saying this with honest truth. You will not feel the heat. So 21, let me read 21 again. Let's start from 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers <laughs> in his army to be tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing fire of furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They have not even reached the fire. Just the heat of it killed them. (laughs) so and these three men's family tied fell into the blazing furnace then king Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement God opened the eyes of the king and asked his advisors weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. Walking around in the fire. Walking around in the fire. (laughs) I don't know what you are going through, but you need to walk around in the fire. When they are walking around in the fire, guess who show up? Jesus show up. The fourth man show up. When you are walking through your fire, do you know that Jesus is there with you? You can dance with Jesus. You can sing with Jesus. You can worship with Jesus. And when they were walking through, they were not just walking. They, 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 the king Nebuchadnezzar did not give us the full picture here. I'm sure they must be laughing. I'm sure they must be smiling. I'm sure they must have been singing praises to God. That is it. In your own trial, when the trial is so heated up that you feel that no man can deliver you out of it, what do you do? Do you cringe for in fear? Do you, do you pity party yourself? Oh me, why should this happen to me? Do we not see you in church anymore? The heat is just too much. Do you complain? 
What do you do when the heat is on? And it's heated seven times, ten times, twenty times. What do you do? But they praise God, I'm sure. They're singing and dancing and walking in the fire. Hallelujah. And it says, unharmed, unbound. So the, 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 the rope was torn. So anything the enemy bound you with, whether he bound you with sorrow or bound you with fear, they are all torn apart. All torn apart by the fourth man. Only Jesus can do it. No other but Jesus. And he said the fourth man looked like a son of the gods. <laughs> he couldn't recognize, but he knew that there's something unique about this person. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. That's what men and women will call you. That is what people will call you. When they see the glory of God upon your life, people will know that indeed you are not just an ordinary man, but you are the servant of the Most High God. Most High God. Not the small letter G God, but the big letter G God. That is the God that we serve. And he said, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, the royal advisors crowded around them. <laughs> you know, just sometimes your trial is something that needs to be global. I mean, your trial, when, it's been, when you now enter from trial to triumph, from testing into testimony, it's going to be something global. God wants it to make it so beautiful that God alone will take the glory. And the people who have been shouting you down and have been criticizing your stand in God and have been saying all matter of things that, oh, maybe it's your sin that have caught you out. God will make sure that they are alive to testify and to see the testimony upon your life. So, Shadrach, prefect, because they must have been saying, these people are stupid. Why risks your life? It's just an ordinary golden calf or golden, you know, a pillar. Just bow down and that's it. Why are you risking your life? But they were there to glorify. They were there to see God's glory. Governors and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. Hmm. Nor was a hair of their head singed. Their ropes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Hallelujah. There is no smell of fire on them. Your trial will not swallow you up. Whatever you are going through today, you will come out alive. You will come out glorified. You will come out beautified. God wants to beautify us. God allowed trials for Satan tents. God allowed trials not to make people die in the trials, but to make people to come out of it triumphantly. And this is exactly what they did here. 
Let's learn from them. Why should that happen to them? Because they love God. They love God. I want to talk to you today about the love of God. That's what I really want to talk about. Because why? If you love God, you will seek God. If you love God, you will call upon God. If you love God, you will fear God. But you can seek God and not love God. Do you know that? You can even fear God and don't seek Him. But when you love Him, love is the greatest. When you love God, you will seek Him. How many of you who are married here will not like to speak or talk to your lover? Then I will question that love. How many of you will want to do harm to your lover? That is the fear of God. You don't want to upset your lover. You don't want to do anything to make your lover feel dejected or humiliate your lover. You want to do your possible best. Make sure that everything you do is just to please your lover. So when you love God, you will like to talk to him all the time. When you love God, you will like to seek his presence all the time. It's not just going to be a one-off. In fact, when you don't call upon God, you will know that something is missing here. And in fact, God will be calling your attention because you will not feel right here. For those who are seeking God, they know what I'm talking about. You will not feel right here. You know that there's something missing. Oh my God, I need to go and talk to you right now. When you love God, you will not like to do anything that is conscious. You will be conscious of God 24-7. When you are at work, you can't do anything that is contrary to His will. You are not the, someone who loves God, you are not the kind of person who will be praying God for forgiveness every day. You will not be seen conscious, in short. No, you will always give opportunity to confess your sin and all that. But if you are a lover of God, the seed of God is in you. You cannot sin against Him. He will not be part of you. He can never be part of you. Because he just loves God. He just wants to do anything to please him. He just wants to do anything in your possible best to make sure that God is honored all the time. So I want to talk about the love of God. There's a scripture that one of our pastors shared yesterday. I was so much blessed. First John chapter 4 verse 16. Let me read from 16 to 18. And so we know and rely on the love God, on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever love, lives in love lives in God and God in them. So whoever lives in love, which is God, lives in God and God lives in them. And verse 17. This is how love is made complete among us. So that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Now he wants to show us how love is complete. He said, in this world, we are like Jesus. In this world, we are like Jesus. What is Jesus? You know Jesus. Jesus is God himself. God, Jesus has no struggle in life. So you shouldn't. Jesus is always in control, so you should. Jesus is bold, then you should. Jesus fears nothing, then you shouldn't. No sickness can hold Jesus bound, 
In fact, there is no record of him being sick. So we can be sick here because of all our habitats, all the things that we relate to, the food we eat, the air that we breathe in, they are all polluted. But you don't need to die in your sickness. God can heal you. God can deliver you. So as Jesus was on earth, or Jesus is, so are we. Because of the love of God that is in us. We have the love of God in us. And he said, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. You cannot be intimidated because of the love of God in you. When you are fearful of anything, be it fear of the dark or fear of situation that is going on in the house or in your life, check your love life with Jesus. Because if the person who can fix it in you, then you have no fear. You should not have fear of anything. You should not have fear of man because the man will die. But Jesus lives forever. And Jesus is in you. You should not be afraid of your boss because he's just a man. A little miss that appears for a short time and vanish. The Bible says we are just like a vapor that appears for a short time and a little while we are vanish and your boss also will take that seat one day if he doesn't resign he will die anyway if jesus tarry we can't live forever but there is a man that lives forever that lives in us so we don't need to fear there is no fear in love perfect love casts away fear we're talking about the love of christ we re- I really want us to love God with all our hearts. First John chapter 2 from verse 3 to 5. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But I, if anyone obeys the law, the, his word... Love of God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know you are in Him. So to, for us to say that we love God, we need to obey His commands. And no, none of His commands are grievous. None of His commands are too hard to keep. That's what it means. So when we say we love God, we need to keep His commands. You may say, oh, I don't think it's, it's possible. It's because you have not known the love of God. If you have the love of God in you, which is you accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior truly, you will not like to break any of his commands. You will not like to break any of his commands. But what is love? Let's quickly go into 1 Corinthians 13, which we all know. From verses 1, I will read. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong. And a, clang, a clanging cymbals. So we may have, we may speak in tongues. And to speak in tongues is a gift from God. There is nothing wrong in it. It's part of the gift of the Spirit. And those of us who are speaking in tongues, we know the benefits of speaking in tongues. But if we do not add love to it, which we will find out what love is as we go down the scriptures. If we do not have love and we speak in tongues, the Bible says we are just making noise. Can you imagine? We don't want God to hear noise. 
Because when we speak to, in tongues, we are not speaking to men. We are speaking to God. Only God understands what we are saying. So, but we want, don't want to be making noise. We want our words, our tongue, to minister to Jesus. And to bring manifestation to our lives. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. How many of us want to be nothing before God? I want to be significant before God. I want when God hears my voice, He rejoices. I want when God hears my praise and my worship and I pray to Him, I want it to be acceptable and I want God to love me for it. Everyone can say good about me, but to be, to be honest, I go back home and say, God, what do you say? I always do that most of the time because I don't want to deceive myself. The trumpet can, you know, can sound now, and all of this congregation will just be the thing of the past. Rapture will take place before. Can you imagine if rapture takes place now? I want my seat to be empty. What about you? And that is why we need to be careful with what we do. Very, very careful. Because prophecy is good. It's part of the gifts. And we're supposed to use the gift to profit others. It's not for our own selfish means. But the Bible says when we now have the gifts and we understand all the mystery of life and yet we do not have love, then we are nothing before God. Nothing. Nothing. And we also have the gift of moving mountains. Say to this mountain, go. Say to this sickness, depart. But in our hearts, we have no love. Then we are nothing. Nothing before God. And if I give all my possession to the poor, and give over my body to hardship, he's talking about matar, being matar for God. And I, that, I may bo- that I may boast, but do not have love. I gain nothing. So, giving is a good thing. We give to others. But if you are giving it and there is no love in it, then we are nothing. We don't want to be nothing before God. Love is patient. Now, this is the definition of love. Because of time, I will have to go through all this. Love is patience. So, if you are not patient, impatient, there is no love. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love is humility. Love is gentleness. So it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not rude. Let's search ourselves with this. Both young and old. Children. In the house. Are you rude to your parents? Or even parents, are you rude to your parents? No, no, no matter how, how old your parents are, you still have to respect them. Even when they are well in age, and they are really aging. And it looks as if sometimes they are like a little child again. You still have to respect the authority. That's love. 
Because God will not say, oh, yes, I am uh, I'm more intelligent. You can never be more intelligent than your parents. No matter how, you cannot. Because they have been there before you. Thank God for technology. You may know how to operate all the computers. And maybe they are ignorant and novice in that. That doesn't make you superior to them. So you need to respect. You need not to talk to them rudely as if you are talking to a child. God is looking at all of this. We are talking about how to operate in the supernatural. This is the month of power. We want to operate in that. But we need to get all these ingredients of love perfect and right. Love is never rude. It is not self-seeking. To be honest, I like to be just at the background. If people really know me well. But sometimes when apostles have to tell me to minister, you think that is a bold step. Prayers have gone ahead. Because it's not easy to stand here to minister to God's people. Especially we know that every one of us are knowledgeable. We know the words. So you cannot just speak something and be fracassed. Apostles say fracass. <laughs> and be speaking nonsense. You know? So it takes both steps. So don't think that it's a natural, I'm not a natural both person. No. But when the Spirit of God comes upon a man, you, the natural gives way. There is an anointing upon this altar. And I believe that anyone can come in here to minister. And you still minister under the power of God because His presence is there. So it's not self-seeking. Don't try to push yourself forward. If God do not push you forward, just stay where you are. Because you will mess up. And we don't want to mess up. So love is not, is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Husband, please don't be angry with your wife. Wife, don't be angry with your husband. Don't be too much provocative with your children. Love. Love is calm. Love is gentle. Why should some homes be so peaceful and the atmosphere is right? Husband cannot wait to come home. Wife cannot wait to go home. Whereas some homes are on fire. Just because if one, if a husband, wife just says something, the husband is like flare up. Why? Why? The life is just, is just, love, life doesn't warrant that. We have short time to live. Let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy it. Even if you live 100 years, it's still a short time compared to eternity. So let's love, let's enjoy it. We don't want after the wife have departed or maybe the husband have departed, that's then we now begin to appreciate. Oh, that's too late. Too late. So let's love one another. Because love is not easily angered. Love doesn't keep record of wrong. It doesn't keep record of wrong. Do you have a diary where you keep your wrongs? Do you have diaries where you keep people who have offended you? Well, let's say between husband and wife. I'm saying husband and wife because we are the people that live together. Oh, you did this one on the 5th of January, 1989. The same thing you did in 2003 on the 4th of September. Sometimes you may not have the diary, physical diary, but it's up here. You can't remember scriptures, but you can remember records of wrongs. If I was to give us opportunity to quote the scripture from Psalm 145... 
Some of us can't. But guess what? My friend offended me. Guess what? On the 3rd of January. 1988. And I cannot forget it. The records of wrong. And then you will come to church and you will lift up hands. Love never keep records of wrong. If Jesus is to mark sin, who among us will stand? None of us. Even up till now, some of us are still making some mistakes. But because of the blood of Jesus, I've cleansed that. He will just say, look at the blood. When the enemy wants to accuse, he will say, look at the blood. I've forgiven. Look at the blood. So Jesus never keeps records of wrong. In fact, our slate before him is so white and clean and clear. So why should you? Why should you? Never keep records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Are you always there when you are always happy? Your, 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 your bones rises when they are discussing, you know, evil about somebody else. But when they are sharing the word of God, you are sleeping. When they are sharing the word of God, it's like, <clears throat> I can't wait for her to finish. Let's just get out of the pulpit and let us get on with our business but when there is evil your bone rises we don't rejoice in evil but we rejoice in the truth he said love protects love we always protect one another we don't expose one another's linens that's why if you are a wife here and you always talk to about the ill things that your husband does to all your friends and when they see your husband come you say You'll be doing because they've they've heard from the wife this is what he does and vice versa the husband too my wife doesn't listen he doesn't listen or your children we need to protect one another and brethren in the house we need to protect one another if someone gives you a secret it's not for you to broadcast it all over the place let that sickness these secrets let that secret die with you Go to the grave with you. Love protects. It protects. We need to protect one another. Love trusts. Love hopes. Love perseveres. And love never fails. And if we go to the final one, 13, he said, And now these three remains, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of this is love. Is love. Let's love one another. Let's love God. The evidence that we love God is that we love one another to do all these things. Because God, we can't, God is here. But who among you have the gift of vision to see God? And where is he actually standing? None of us, by faith, we know he's here. And the only reason why we can attribute or exhibit our love is when we show this love to one another in the house. And the Lord will strengthen us in Jesus' name. Shall we rise to our feet this morning? First John chapter 